And today we're going to speak about COVID and fashion, uh, fashion in 2020. And uh, my guest is uh, Miami's own fashion designer, uh, Rene Ruiz. Uh, Rene Ruiz is uh, very well known here in Miami um, because he has been, he has pretty much spent his entire career as a, as a fashion label. Uh, in here in South Florida, so that's uh, pretty unique and, ex- and and appreciated. Rene, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me. So, just as a brief intro, I mean, we will talk about your bio throughout this, but as a brief intro, uh, Rene Ruiz was born in Cuba and uh, immigrated to Miami as a teenager. Uh, pretty much at the age I came to America too, so we have that in common and our accents. <laughs> so everybody, Do we have accents. Two no exotic way, accents. <laughs> accents. <laughs> Uh, he earned his BA in fashion design here, apprenticed, you know, in couture houses throughout Europe, and then came back with like 250 bucks and a sewing machine and built his luxury line um, for, you know, work which has been very successful, especially, you know, here. He has been famous for his uh, intricately, Uh, embroidered, stitched, and, you know, designed um, gowns, fashion gowns and dresses, um, and he's kind of like personalized, you know, attention to his clients. So, and he won an Emmy in 2018 for the documentary uh, Fashion Forward um, documentary series. So anyway, today I would like to speak about what is the future of fashion, Uh, what may be utilitarian fashion, what is sustainable fashion. And uh, then toward the end, you know, I'm interested in, you know, Miami fashion, Latin fashion, um, you know, just like uh, what might be that aesthetic that we have here. But I want to start first with an introduction to, you know, where fashion is um, in history and in 2020. So, um, you know, uh, I would say that historically, despite the success of a few, you know, name brands, the, the extraordinary profitability <laughs> of those name brands, in general, you know, fashion has been, let's say, you know, slightly devalued, meaning it doesn't get the same social respect that, let's say, science gets, right? Uh, or like yeah, philosophy, right? And, it's, uh, and the reason for that is that it, it's a feminine a tradition. You know, it started with women sewing clothes and, you know, women stitching and women embroidering. And that was 
an unseen, like unpaid labor, you know, just like raising kids, you know, where like you would stitch dowries or, mm -hmm. or weave or, you know, uh, make clothes, but the men wouldn't really see that. So uh, as, as fashion became more and more um, kind of like a part of our public expression used by everyone, um, it, it became kind of like a language, you know, the way that we present ourselves is, is, a, is a code. It's both an armor, right, that protects our body, but also a way mm -hmm. of communicating to others who, you know, who we want to be. Without, without using language. Right, I without always, using yeah. language. So you don't have to you speak know, many so. languages, right. Um, and we can, we, we wear different social identities, right. So, um, you know, it, it is very useful that way, like, um, depending on who you want to be, let's say, that day, it can be a shortcut to kind of like self-expression, you know. Um, but yeah, especially today. It's especially, always yeah, especially since like couture as we've known it, right? Well, I think it's more, you know, fashion is, is uh, you know, in the last 50 years or so has become very democratic, democratic, mm -hmm. democratized, yeah, very. Yeah, so in the last 50 or 60 years, probably, you know, after, you know, people like Yves Saint Laurent, they, they started like mass manufacturing uh, fashion, then it's, it's more for the people, for everyone. And that's one of the things that they had completely influenced fashion. And, and today, I think, is, um, it's more than ever, a, it's a self-expression and it's a calling Right. Much. Yeah. It's like yeah. calling cards for people because the way people dress, you can or they present themselves, you can see what they're coming from or what they want. Like if you see, uh, you know, the people that are in Palm Beach, uh, you see the, the pastel colors, the loafers, you know, the short printed summer dresses, very resort. And even today, if you see people that you see with, um, with uh, ripped jeans, uh, 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 oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell, like, someone. Yeah, you can tell when the Europeans come to Miami during Basel. Oh, not only because the colors are much a, more muted. <laughs> no, not only with the Europeans, because you know you find a lot of Europeans that are very, you know, like uh, that are very out there, especially during our Basel. But it's a whole different thing. I'm talking about people, you know everyone has a different calling card like some of the the people that that are, that are the bikers for example the leather jackets the tattoos you know the goth with the with the piercings and uh and uh and the accessories and all that is is become even more because before fashion used to divide it was not a division but it was almost it was almost like uh whether you were the upper class although you were in the lower middle class because things were very defined then. And it didn't matter. People were not, you know, unless you were part of the, the, um, the clergy, you were not identified as only because of that, your means of, of living. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, as a, as a foreigner, at least, as a, as a kind of like lifelong foreigner, because, you know, as you know, like when you leave your home so young, and especially if you are 
you know, peripatetic and you travel the world, you end up kind of being a foreigner a little bit everywhere. So um, I, I learned quickly to be, to use fashion as a, as a way to both fit in in the beginning until I kind mm -hmm. of get my way, right? Um, and also then to, you know, stand out. Uh, and, and it's kind of like a, a, an interesting push and pull, you know, between, again, the, the, the kind of urge to dress in order to be accepted, you know, like, for example, women at work, you know, wearing the pantsuit and, you know, covering up and dressing like men. That's an, an example, you know, or wear, wearing like clothes that are acceptable for church, right? Um, and then, mm. and then also like dressing to stand out, to express a more unique identity. You know, to say that I'm not like you. You know, I'm a whatever. I'm a creative, or I'm a rebel. Or <laughs> yeah. So that that kind of push and pull, I think, happens all the time in fashion. For me, very much. You know, like for example, when I was 15, you know, we were so conservative on the island of Crete. And I came from there to Hollywood and I went to, you know, LA <laughs> where, you know, kids would go to high school like in bikinis, you know, and, and I had worn a uniform my whole life, like a very proper school uniform. So, you know, your first impulse is to just kind of like dress like the natives because you want to be accepted. And then as you understand that code and get comfortable in it, you want to create your own, you know, I, your own self, your own look, and that's when you get more creative. Uh, yeah, you we know, can, with fashion. Fashion, fashion is one of those um, the things that we can talk about all hours and hours and hours. Right. So the pandemic has, you know, changed the way that that we dress. Um, like we, you know, we, and also like the way that we our relationship with our bodies. So we uh, cover ourselves more, you know, we're more aware of like uh, what we get from each other's bodies. But I think that we're also, we're more protective of our bodies. We're also more lazy, you know, like we're now on Zoom, right? So I actually did put a little Galliano shirt for you. But my point is, you know, if you were in the studio, I would have m made much more of an effort you know, looks-wise. So I think it's... <laughs> well, you look great. All of I us. I like that oriental... Right. Oriental Thank little you. number that I you're wearing. Like, it's Oriana. appreciate yeah, it. I love it. It's funny um, how is it? It's got a little fur. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but... Um, the point is, you know, we've got more lazy, like, you know, so many TV anchors dressed in pajamas from their waist down, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and people kind of like, you know, I mean, no briefcases, no heels, you know, no spanks, <laughs> um, no, like, uh, you know, and, and yeah, this is you, know, you don't have to like, get your hair done perfectly or your nails done perfectly or your lashes because everything is seen through a screen you know you figure out like i'll, I'll filter myself a little <laughs> so exactly. um i i think that that uh you know will influence a little bit fashion uh, i like to think that it has all that that covid has also given us a sense of our body as a whole you know of our body as like the collective COVID has made us newly aware also of our kind of like interconnectivity, you know, our global interconnection physically, you know. So, yes, we're each our body um, and we kind of like, in a way, separate 
each one of us from the other by means of fashion, individuating, right? This is my look. Mm-hmm. But, but COVID has also showed us something that we weren't so aware before, which is that our physically we're all connected. Mm-hmm. You know, that if I get something, uh, you know, an illness can affect, you know, in, in Wuhan, China, which we never heard of, right, can affect our lives exactly. all the way here so quickly. We never heard of that so before. So the, the connection is that we are one body also, like a collective body. And the, the, it starts with well, the health of the body. But I, you know, I like to think that it will maybe expand to kind of like a consciousness of how interdependent, you know, that, that physically we're all kind of like one. No, right. that sounds very romantic. I completely <laughs> understand that. Sounds yeah. very romantic, but at the end of the day, it really yeah. is the responsibility of the government and the people that, you know, they, they, they create the rules because seriously, if the Chinese would have been, would have controlled the virus in Wuhan, it would have not spanned all over the world like it has. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, we you know, we don't have that. We don't have like a world government. <laughs> I wish we did. You know, we don't. We have no so, means to enforce the, that. Yeah. The Communist Party from China. Should exactly. Have been, yeah. Because good luck. <laughs> it's just like when, yeah. Huh? Yeah. I said there is. There is no. You know, there is no way to enforce anything globally. Because uh, it's it's great to think globally. Yeah of helping each other, but, you know, that is uh, of being a one body, but, you know, usually, you know, when people, when, even when in villages and, and people will get sick, they immediately, you know, the mothers when I send the kids to school with the rest of the kids, you know, so right. because, you know, yeah. and that's one of the things that yeah. I believe that is, yeah, that it sure. has, you know, that it has changed all yeah. the, the, of course, they, the complete globalization of the fashion industry, especially, you know, how we, like we were talking the other day. Yeah, it's a tragedy. You know. I think, you know, it's a tragedy. Because, um, like, let's say the famous brands, you know, Mr. Prada and Mr. Gucci, you know, and all all of those companies, and they started, like, stitching luggage. And they were all handmade by seamstresses. So, that's the tradition that we're supposedly like liking and paying for, but all that's gone, right? Yeah, but, but the, the, you know, there hasn't been a Mr. Gucci for a long, exactly. long time. Exactly, yes. And there hasn't been a Mr. Prada, you know, it's only Mucha Prada. Yeah, Mucha. And they own, and they own Miu Miu, and they own Prada, and right. they own... Uh, but her father, brand. her father started. You know, her father was in the in the luggage, you know, leather, uh, you know, boots, hand stitching. You know, that's yes, how, of course. It's yeah. always, a, you know, so fashion was for a long time about the stitch, uh, and and the handwork, well, the trade, you know, the tailoring. That. Yeah, exactly. The it was fit. about the craftsmanship. It was the craftsmanship, right? The and craft the, and the pride and the and the. And the incredible uh, ability of the Europeans right. and innovation and and this uh, this search for a constant for quality and right. beauty right that was always very uh, you know that's what have you know driven us to where we can yeah. because at the very beginning you know this quality like uh, the real Gucci the Mr Gucci and uh, and Hermes. And mm-hmm. Mr. Mm-hmm. Piton, they were, mm-hmm. 
yeah, they were making it for the nobility. Exactly, yeah. You know, the nobility, mm -hmm. and then after, and after the nobility, it would mm -hmm. be the... The, 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 the bourgeoisie. The new, the new yeah. yeah, the bourgeoisie, mm -hmm. the people, that, that new class that was like, uh, mm -hmm. they started making money in those days, mm -hmm. and everybody wanted to aspire to be like... To wear those clothes, yeah. And then, yeah, and then and the, and then with traveling and 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 the cable and the newspapers and things like that before cable tv and internet mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah that's how the people yeah. that were you know they they could afford they knew how to read and they were you know exposed to news and and mm -hmm. and exposed to culture mm -hmm. found out about these you know legendary brands from europe yeah you know, exactly they were yeah exactly you know, Yeah. And that's how, and then in the 1950s, what I was saying about, in the, 1940, in the 1960s, I was telling about Yves Saint Laurent, he was the first one, him and Mr. Pierre Cardin, Cardin who just passed, yeah, who yesterday. Who just passed mm -hmm. yesterday. They were the first one, Cardin was the first one to like, um, license his name and everything. Mm -hmm. He was the first one who, who, it was a phenomenon, because I remember in the 70s, And in the 80s, you know, there were belts, cardan, yes. uh, yeah. shoes, socks. He was the first one who put yeah. his name on anything and everything. Mm -hmm. And and Mr. Saint Laurent was the, the one who who basically mass brought uh, fashion to the masses. Because he was the first one. They wanted to make uh, fashion, high fashion, available to to all. And like in the quest for profit, as this became more corporate, um, you know, mm -hmm. we we lost like the this. We don't have mass social respect for for the the value of like the stitch. So the when we talk about yeah. that original fashion, you know, the, the there was appreciation for the art. And the craft that went into it, you know, the same and as like the, a painting. The, the trade of right? making clothes. Yeah. yeah. You know. But it has been, but so at the very exclusive level, you know, of haute couture, it's, it's still, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of staying at those prices, which is pretty much the price of buying a painting or a work of art. And then some of those uh, outfits you know, go of... to museums. Um, exactly. Some of the right. some of the, the work that goes into some of those creations, right. yeah, yeah, it's a lot of hours. But then, and it's made what, in Paris, right? But then, what what has happened to the mass market? I think it's just kind. Of, it's too. It's extreme in the other direction because when you send everything into you know factories, and then you go for the maximum profit, so you choose the cheapest and the cheapest factories, you know, the worst, worse and worse conditions of labor, um, you know, ab abusive labor practices that happen like far away. Um, you know, we're at this place where like fashion um, produces over 2 billion metric tons of like greenhouse gases a year, right? And, mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, uh, that's not couture. It's not made by hand, you know. It's not the, the neighborhood table. Well, it's made by hand, but it's made <laughs> it's by the, hands that are on the machine. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that made by hands that are that are paid very little. So yeah, that is exactly. That is one of no, the I meant problems. like by hand, like hand stitching. It, it's made yeah, by machine. But even, even even today, I think that you know, there's huge companies like 
Vitam and Gucci and all that. And, you know, and all some other companies, I don't want to mention them all. You know, they basically made millions of dollars by mediocre fashion because people pay a lot of money for a hat that says Balenciaga. That puts the brand logo on it, yeah. Yeah. And then and yeah. for sweatshirts they say the name and and people pay a lot of money for things that are not even fashion. They just have a name. They just have yeah. a brand that everyone yeah. identifies yeah. with. Yes, so, exactly. And that's that's what's happened. So the people these brands, they have this global presence and all this and you know, this marketing uh, uh, budgets and you know, appeals to the masses, of course, and they have been able to be very, very successful and thrive during this very uh, difficult times for middle and lower end businesses and probably more middle, middle sized businesses than lower end businesses because the lower end businesses are always able to sell if you have the clientele, if you have the market and you have the strategy and um, and the distribution system in place, you can still sell t-shirts and then you probably added some more because you were able to sell masks now and, you know, appeal to all that new, that this new, um, um, this new market, this new market opportunity of the mask and things like that. And then the high end, like the the big brands, the letter brands, those are able to also uh, capitalize and 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 you know little things like mask and and protection gear because they have the clientele they will buy it just because it has the name and because it's a status symbol. Right. Yeah. 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 So I think what what that tells us. Uh, um, is that, you know, we've lived until now, at least through the age of marketers and advertisers. And it's a, it, for me, it's a, it's a period of decay. <laughs> um, because we have, you know, the, the majority of like humanity has bought into the advertising rather than the essence of the thing, right? So you don't look how good this like hat is. You just look at what it says um, because that you th it's a form of currency, you know, it's like gold jewelry, you know, you have like the Gucci baseball hat and that tells the world that you had the money to buy it, right? But, but you don't look at the quality, like when, you know, you could buy a contraband and it's the same quality, <laughs> probably made mm. at the same factory after hours. Um, so what, what I'm saying is I, I think that I'm hoping that, you know, a, a break like COVID would force us to rethink like where we put our money because money is is a way of social respect you know money is how we show what we appreciate and we respect mm -hmm. you know so do we appreciate the work of ad advertisers and marketers and spinners or do we appreciate the work of tailors and seamstresses and designers and actual yeah. ma makers you know um, and we need to like raise the price of the middle level and local fashion and, and raise our, our appreciation and knowledge of them, you know. I know. Instead That's a very of, good point. Instead of like bring. constantly, um, you know, exchange information about ourselves 
through like this shorthand of brand names, you know? Yeah. The thing is that that is a very good point that you're bringing out, but also through through being a you know a, at the local level and being a middle, you know, you also have to force or incentivize people to be able to give the quality, not just make things locally and thinking because you're making them locally, people are just going to buy them. You know, you have to still force yourself to be creative and set yourself apart, I think. And another thing is not only just being creative and come out with different things in a way that are also, that are, that are going to relate to the customer, but also being able to force yourself into quality, making things and products that are quality. So, so the customer that is coming, and if it's an educated client or an educated customer, they will come to you and they will say, you know, I know that you're using good quality uh, fabrics, the, the workmanship is good. So then they will pay the prices, mm-hmm. you know, and then mm-hmm. that would mm-hmm. make us mm-hmm. more competitive. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how this whole dilemma is going to end up being, but I think that definitely that's one of the things that I see. They, unfortunately, in America, you know, in, in, the, in the fashion industry, we have stayed behind in technology and the ability to compete because we are we cannot compete with China because of the in China or right. Vietnam. Yes, or yes, we cannot compete at, at their level. And we shouldn't. The, mm-hmm. the, the wages and the labels mm-hmm. are so low and mm-hmm. they have so many people that will they, they have to work, not even the willing, they have to work for barely nothing. So and then and we cannot compete with big brands like the Vitons and the Prada and and you know and the Balenciaga because those are luxury conglomerates that they have all the resources in the world. So it's like it's cutting between two worlds. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, I like to. I mean, I strongly encourage you know my listeners right now to buy you know to buy local. So for example, in Miami. Buy your work, you know, look at your work, but also appreciate the fact that someone, you know, post-pandemic can come to your studio and actually get measured and have something made on their, you know, their own body for their specific needs rather than, you know, going to uh, a a department store and then having their, you know, tailor try to like take in... Allow me to just uh, recommend, you know, work like yours, uh, just you. the same way Thank that, you. you know, young people who are in college now, you know, they're going to Etsy and they're buying T-shirts that are made by other young uh, uh, artist kind of, you know, crafts people and they support mm-hmm. each other. And I feel that uh, in our age group, we, we should come to, you know, designers like you who uh, mm-hmm. are local, who have been faithful and loyal <laughs> mm-hmm. and, exactly. and, and who also appreciate and understand and offer value and craftsmanship. So if you want something, you know, well made, it's just kind of like uh, remembering that, that we have that option, um, you know, rather than kind of, you know, get in that compulsive, addictive um, behavior of like competing for name brands, you know, rather than quality, competing for the optics rather than the essence, you know, of the thing. And, yes. I, and I think that the pandemic is could 
could be useful because, you know, the fashion industry had a terrible year overall, uh, especially those stores, you know, the department stores, you know, like uh, Brooks Brothers, J. Crew filed for bankruptcy, uh, Diane von Farsten, Nemo Marcus, Zara. You know, well, who Zara, else? Zara still. Well, I mean, Zara, they closed, Zara closed stores, 1,200 think, stores. <laughs> they closed 12,000 stores. Um, 12, yeah. Uh, t- and, and then Lord and Taylor, they were, they're closing everywhere, you know. Completely, so, yes. Yeah. Neymar Marcus filed businesses like that could actually focus locally. So they could say, you know what, you can get Gucci Prada from the store next door in Balharmor Mall or in the design district. I'm gonna give you clothes by designers like Rene Ruiz, which, you know, who doesn't have that many stores in every corner. <laughs> and this way, you know, they could kind of find yeah, but, a different niche for themselves. But you know, my dresses, uh, I've been sold in Saks and Nemas all over the country. Right. Yeah. They, yeah. You know. But I'm saying is, I think they should specialize in something like that. So they are not competing with the other store down the street, you know, down the, no, like 10 feet away, basically, which is how mm-hmm. it works now at the mall. It's you can go to like, uh, you know, Saks or Neiman or Nordstrom, and then next door are the actual. Yeah, same clothes. <laughs> the same brand. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Brada and Gucci. But people they ended, up, people ended yeah. up always buying it in the department stores because they have the credit. Or if you right, they have it, the personal. Yeah. So they are like, and that's one of the faults of the of the, of the department stores that they like made it so easy for returns and things like that for mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. that it was it's become mm-hmm. like a double-edged sword because right. they wanted to give uh, they wanted to give the the appearance of like incredible service by right. taking everything back yeah. but then the people that ended up hurting was the, the manufacturers and the designers because they were being charged back to the designers after people would wear the clothes sometimes you know that was yeah. like it's always been like a, a crazy yeah. scale you yeah. know yeah the, of, of yeah. what's going on with fashion yeah. it's such an incredible and in, in like uh you know incredible and difficult business to understand even mm-hmm. today, with everything that well, is going on. Well, for example, on. you know, the personal shoppers that they offered, you know, they, they would tell you, this is the new line, this is what we have, pick what you want, I will put it aside for you, but I will charge you credit card the day it goes on sale, you know, and ship it to you. Exactly. So, you know, and of and, and the things like that hurt the, the manufacturers gets, exactly, who gets and the hurt? designers. The designers. And it's the mid-level. Because you know, Gucci can afford all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they can afford to have empty shops for three months. Uh, <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, they'll sell online. They will, you know. But it's, yeah, it's the, it's the designer who is not mass marketed, who gets hurt the most. Who gets hurt the most. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Which is a bad thing because they... A, a, you know, a, it inhibits uh, a new uh, creative uh, wave of, of designers and new names, you know, because everybody just have to like uh, aspire to just get a job, graduate from fashion design school and try the biggest aspiration is to get a job for a big design house. For, for yeah, big, exactly. For, for the big for one know. of the big houses. That's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and the biggest like owner is to like be the creative director of one of those brands. Of one of the brands yeah. or design, you know, or design yeah. 
you know, design one of their lines and things like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that hinders into the creative and the entrepreneurial, you know, spirit of the students also. Yeah, yeah. Because it's a way of like just not having the responsibility of having a business, of putting yourself up there on your own. Mm -hmm. By just trying to get a job uh, for one of these houses, and yeah. then it becomes yeah. like almost like a like musical chairs because then you have mm -hmm. the same designers that go from one fashion house to the next brand to the next brand and the next brand, and and it's basically the same designers mm -hmm. going from brand to brand. Oh yeah, yeah, and then of course there is ageism, so you know they're looking to like uh, get younger and younger, creative directors, younger and, younger, you know, and different. And That's and, why you have, different. I mean, you know, Alexander McQueen, like, killing himself. I mean, there, there are other reasons. But clearly, that whole generation of, like, genius designers, you know, met that wall, you know, where you went, they went as high as they could, um, you know, like Galliano, uh, or before, you know, they, they had to work for a company, or like, um, uh, you know, Gautier, or they just kind of at, at some point, you know, had to... Uh, Retire or take But a Galliano, break. Galliano still designs. He designs But for Margiela. Exactly. Now he designs he for Margiela. We definitely need to to focus on on uh, you know the work, the work, the value, the quality of the work, rather than the fame of the name. You know. Uh, exactly. I definitely believe the, that yeah. always. Yeah. I always believe in that always since I, you know, that was the way I thought of myself from the beginning. Never, you know, always give good quality and know what I'm doing and know, educate myself as much as I can and what I love, which is, you know, not work. It's just a passion. I love, you know, this creative uh exactly world, yes you know yes, yes. if you're and, a creator you have to create <laughs> you know yeah. but also you know finding out things about history and and the business of fashion and, and trying to figure out what is going to be you know what fashion is going to be during COVID with which we're living right now and after COVID it has to do with the, the demand and what the uh, And what the new, the, the youth is asking for, you know, we have uh, academia and colleges, you know, uh, teaching the students uh, about a, 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 you know, a, a, a future world that is apocalyptic, you know, that who knew they would, we were going to be, that we were going to be living through a pandemic, they, you know, that, uh, you know, that is affected a million people and hundreds of thousands have died. You know, when I was uh, mentoring in college, the, the young students and, you know, all the, you know, the teachers influencing the kids with this post-apocalyptic world, everything looked like Mad, uh, Mad Max beyond the Thunderdome. Everybody was Tina Turner and everything. It was just, and I was, uh, I'm more and more of a romantic and I was hoping yeah. for a much more you know, beautiful world that everything is just, you know, quality and beautiful and colors and, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, and I guess, you know, there was some kind of like self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, that's interesting. You know, yeah. you know, I, I sometimes I think about it that way mm. because, uh, I, 
I also believe that in the middle of all this uh, insanity that we're going through now and we don't know how we're going to look, you know, six months from now or what are we going to be doing now, especially now that things are so fleeting, I believe that we have uh, the some people, like everything, will go back to some kind of retro look and some uh, romanticism with like mixed with new technology. You know, right, not everything yeah. is going to be, not everything is going to be utilitarian because even if you're entertaining at home and you're just wearing like uh, silk pajamas or maybe clothes that look like pajamas, but they're not, you know, and, uh, and beautiful prints or beautiful fabrics. I think that we always, as human, will go back to beauty because oh, yeah, that's what for sure. That is what's been driving us from from the cavemen. Yes. From the the yeah. first moment they they kill that mammoth, oh, they kill that animal for the fur, and they knew that you know putting that fur on you would keep you warm, and it would give you a look. I mean, why not? Yeah, it, gave, you know? it would give you like it a is, more scary or a more empowering, we would call it now, look, right? Exactly. At the same time that it so was utilitarian. An yeah. armor, you know? Yeah. That yeah. fur would make you look bigger to your yeah, enemies. Stronger. That fur would keep you warmer. <laughs> yeah. We keep you warmer. Yeah. So even back then, you know, it's always been about ourselves, you know, humans accessorizing themselves. It was kind of like a double use, um, always, both protection always. and empowerment, but also, you know, like elegance and delicacy and like the internal, you know. And uh, just that quest for beauty. Sophistication you know? and beauty, yeah. Like just revealing something through the folds of the clothes, you know, the way the curves move in, in the way you in clothing. Right. And make, you know, and, and in those days, the fine linens, you know. Oh, the, yeah, the, they were so fine. And the, and the so hand dyeing, you know, dyeing with like, uh, you know, exactly. plant and even, plant And even the colors, like the colors, the different yeah. colors represented different levels of society. Like yeah. the, the most brighter colors were like richer people. Right. You know, and then, you know. Yeah, the, the saffron the, and the, yeah, exactly, the gold. The red and the yes. purple. Yes. And then gray and, and, white. and brown. Yes. You know, yeah. Like just yeah. natural exactly. colors would be more for that. Yeah. So it's always been, it's, it's been, it's yeah. within us. Yeah. And as much as that uh, philosopher that we saw in that article, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Zizek. Zizek. Yeah, you know that he wants to almost make the fashion yeah, business disappear. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. it, it it seems like um, you know, it seems like a such a, a crazy thing. Yeah, basically, he said that it's like not useful and therefore is obsolete. You know, it's obsolete. Uh, yeah. Yes, of course, because we are going to be because uh, according to him, we all should be looking like. Uh, Robots. Mao and China. So what does he think? I mean, like, uh, we all are going to have this. Is this within our nature? We are going to survive. I agree. I agree. We can not be all in uniforms because yeah. what's the point? Yeah. 
because you know? we yeah because we are the individual we have to prize i mean for me like you know i have written all over my body and that's kind of like a fashion statement for me for sure and i started when i was 18 so there were like no girls on my greek island when i went back home that summer with a tattoo my parents were like hide that cover it you're not a sailor at the harbor what happened <laughs> exactly right yeah But, but the point but is, uh, it is a fashion statement that no one can take from me. I can be, you know, left with nothing, no clothing, and this still speaks, you know, of, of who I am. And it is a commitment. And it is a commitment. Exactly. It, and I stay, Because I'm happy that I... Because you're going to be looking I, at that for the rest of your life. Oh, yeah. And I have not regretted any. Everything is, you know, handwritten by my hand or the hand of writers who I love and adore. And, you know, everything is unique and it kind of goes with like the muscular structure of my body and you know in, in a way it's like my way of designing a, a fashion within my own skin you know um, but my point is yeah like they cannot like uh, authorities <laughs> well, and a way, it's a very, away and it's a you. way I think it, you know marking yourself and tattooing and you know making yourself different is very primitive as very well very primitive yeah Very primitive. very primitive and that's kind of like our way to go back to those basics you know because everything has been so corporate in and you know extremely like monetized that the way to feel authentic is to go back to like the piercings <laughs> and the scarring the scarification and the tattooing oh you know that's a different group that is a yeah, whole yeah but it's a, a form of like rebellion against like the mass you know the brand, mass name branding um and I, you know go ahead good i was reading not too long ago and they i a couple a few years ago i was in spain and i and i was reading an article and they have lobbyists not only in spain but in the in the united states as well but in europe They have lobbyists for the tattoo industry, which to me was like so... Yeah, that's so... You never think they'll hire a lobby. <laughs> but it's a multi-billion dollar wow, industry. Wow, And these people, these lawyers get paid wow. to, to lobby for yeah, laws. the tattoo industry. Yeah. So they yeah. make, it even, make it even more and more accessible. Yeah. It's like cigarettes and like yeah. it's like yeah it's then that becomes that's what makes a business like corporate exactly you know when you take over something and you turn it corporate or you know start talking about legislating it that's like what we code as more masculine right the the rules and 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 laws and requirements you know and like the creative part is what we code as more feminine you know so it's like I think that there is definitely like a an ingrained like uh, you know sexism in general you know in the market so the people who the lawyers <laughs> or the corporate accountants you know the people who like centralize artistic production kind of like want to get the the money you know they want to get a percentage of the money or the profits of the work you know of the artists and the creatives and to also kind of like control and you know organize it you know like eliminate waste or whatever but in the process they change the the nature of of the of the of the art to me like feminism and fashion are not antagonistic you know and feminism and like 
all kinds of like change of the body are not antagonistic. They're, they they go together, um, and they are at the intersection of each other. You know, I think that the difference is that what I call the patriarchy comes in with the over commercialization or the over the greater emphasis on like the male gaze. You know, on like everybody looking the same. Everybody, right, having a certain type of whatever tattoo, a certain type of outfit that the male gaze can uh, quantify and say, oh, that's expensive. That's a trophy for me. No, that's not. I don't know what that is. That's too unique. <laughs> you know, so that part is where, you know, like what the, the, the centralized authority, let's say, comes in, you know. But the art, the creative part, is the opposite of, it's, it's not self-indulgent, it's culturally enriching, you know, because it allows us the happiness, the joy, the fulfillment, the completion that we get from art, right? From looking and feeling a certain way, from expressing our own inner world. Mm. Yeah, we've come a long way. We've come a I long way. We've, yeah. We've yeah. come a long way from the the days the days of the of the Louis the Louis the fourteenth and Louis oh, the fifteen. Marie Antoinette. <laughs> Marie Antoinette. We have come a long way for yeah. sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, that was definitely so that, like another another time where, you know, the industry you know, the, the, the difference became extreme and it caused the uh, you know, a revolution and a negative like reaction. Um, so, well, in my, I wanted to ask you also like what you think, uh, what you you think the characteristics of like Miami and Southern Florida fashion are. Um, I I know that when I first moved here from New York, you know, I was used to wear like my black uniform, you know, my black mm -hmm. Prada. Yeah, <laughs> the black little dress was. You know, like I had hundreds of them, <laughs> and of course, and then I discovered like color. The same like when I went to India, I discovered color, and then I forgot it because yeah, I'm not gonna wear like red saris <laughs> in in you know the West Village. And then I found it again when I came to Miami, uh, color, and yes, and, um... and and feminine, you know, kind of like you know showing off the the body rather than. You know, it, it's it's less Puritan. I don't know. What's your take? What do you think? Well, you know, Miami Miami has been able to. I mean, I've been in Miami for a long time and doing fashion, and Miami has been able to 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 develop their own their own style. In the eighties was Miami Vice. Then in the nineties was the Versace period. Mm. They made Miami very popular internationally. Mm -hmm. And then in the 90s, it was uh, mm -hmm. free for all. You know, Miami started coming with uh, more, you know, there was Art Basel. Mm -hmm. There was all these amazing architects from all over mm -hmm. the world coming mm -hmm. and, and, you know, putting their mark in Miami as a city. So, so the fashion in Miami, I think, I would like to think it has evolved as well, you know. And with Miami Fashion Week, you know, which is uh, for the last five or six years, it's been really, you know, making Miami and the fashion industry more, you know, accessible to 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 the to the you know to the um, 
to the international market, right? You know, Not people only can that, see... to the international market, but right. the people from Miami Fashion Week, uh, Lourdes and Secundino, they have been able to do a really good job, you know, because um, the CFDI, you know, the, the Council for Fashion Designers of America, uh, is the only, Miami is the, is the only other um, uh, fashion week, Miami Fashion Week, not Miami... Uh, now Miami Swim Week, Miami Fashion Week is the only other um, fashion week other than New York and North America mm. that is funds that is backed by the CFDA. And you what know. time of year is the Fashion Week? It's usually the end of May, the beginning of okay. June. Mm -hmm. Definitely the, the end of May. And what time is the Swim Week? End of swim summer? Week is in the middle of the summer. Yeah. I think it's July. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. July. Okay. I yeah. think it's July. Yes. Yeah. So there's two different things. Yeah. And so the Miami Fashion Week, what does it focus on? What is it known for? They, they're known for, Miami Fashion Week is known for resort mm. because that was one of the, the goals was to make Miami Fashion Week, uh, Miami, the capital, the resort capital of the world, because this is like Miami also have become the cruise capital in the world, you know, unfortunately we're going through this pandemic now, but I'm sure that the cruise industry will reinvent itself as oh, yeah, well. For sure. Yeah. And that is not my problem because I have plenty <laughs> of problems with the fashion. Yeah. So, yeah. so, uh -huh. so that was one of the things that Miami wanted to set itself in, in the re as resort capital for the fashion industry as well, especially in North America, because, you know, the resort, lines have become a very popular line in all the industry and you see that all the big you know fashion houses like dior and chanel and all that every time they do resort they usually travel somewhere and they do it in different locations you know like chanel for example one year did it in havana you know i mean it's, you know a communist dictatorship but they don't care because fashion only likes backdrops. <laughs> they don't care what's going on. <laughs> Fashion is so uh, is 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 such a is a as a business of frivolity, and it's a mm -hmm. business yeah. of people. You know that mm -hmm. it has become synonymous with um, with uh, with na narcissism and yes. and yeah. you know and and every time you know and we were going back to the. Uh, Plato, you know, when he said that the that, that democracy was like a lace, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah. And that basically, was... you know, like Plato said it, that's like women's work. You know, it's not macho or like, you know, important enough. Plato described, uh, you know, fashion, I um, mean, described the, 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 the Republic as, uh, as, um, as an embroidery, embroidery uh, robe, and how we were talking about Medea, you know, oh, yeah, and how yeah, yeah. they use fashion, you know, through fashion she kills and the vanity of the younger, more beautiful wife, how she kills her because she, mm -hmm. she sends her a, a, a dress and a, and, a, and a tiara and it was poison. Yeah, the poison dress. You know, how dress. we have always yeah. had this, yeah, this love-hate relationship exactly. with fashion. 
fashion. Yeah, yeah. You know? You know, like Eve, who bites the apple, she's the knowledge thief, you know? She's not like the knowledge maker. She's not like the knowledge, you know, owner or or giver. And I think that's where, you know, all of that happens. You know, it's kind of like an inherent devaluing for, you know, for a, a practice that 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 is not so um centered on the mind you know it's it's part of like the difference between the worth of the mind and the worth of the va- the body and that's a prejudice you know it's a patriarchal prejudice when we think that the the, the works of the mind are more valuable mm-hmm. you know than the works of the body or for the body so i think yeah that's that's pretty much like a, I think that that's an issue, you know, Marx was kind of like, a, a, made a little fun of like uh, the capri- capricious fashion, you know, and and uh, what it cost like the, the working class, you know, and then, but also, you know, feminists, you know, felt that like fashion would enslave women. Uh, but as you say very correctly, uh, the alternative of all of us, uh, uh, you know, looking alike, and and you know, <laughs> it's so frightening. <laughs> yes. And and I guess we can only associate it with junta and dictatorship and tyranny, right? Yeah, that we don't think about it, but when people like Zizek, Mr. Zizek or Zizek, I don't know what. Yeah, Slavoj Zizek or Zizek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I'm sure he's got to be someone fun to be out in the world. <laughs> we think about, you know, a world without fashion and it's just like. I know, right? Really What's left? I mean, like my house, I, I, I can't move the phone, but all around me, everything is like articles of beauty. I, for me, and I think, you know, you and people and like us, if I don't look at beautiful objects, then I need to be like plopped in front of a sunset my entire life because I can't sad, survive without beauty. The sad thing is that people actually publish what he writes. Oh, yeah. They publish like a book a year and it's always this alarmist, depressed, you know, like uh, well, like you were saying, Mad Max, you know, apocalyptic, apocalyptic. vision. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> And that's what I call like the masculine, you know, vision. Because, you know, the feminine vision is like birth and, you know, rebirth and recreation. And also we endure. Like the feminine understands that we can endure. That's one of the things that I was just, I think uh, I believe in human and human and I believe in human being and men and women. I say both. that we always adapt. Yeah. And, you know. People are talking about climate change today, like it's like the world's going to end tomorrow. And we have always figured out a way because remember, I mean, like we, you know, we went through the, through, uh, the, the world froze for a time. I mean, the, 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 like the ice age, yeah, the ice age. Mm-hmm. The ice age, the ice came all the way down to, to the Mediterranean and people survived. Yeah. You yeah. know, and we there was adapt. nothing. There was no yeah. factories then, yeah. and there was yeah. no cars. Yeah. And no, no, never. <laughs> yeah, people used to live on trees, and then they came back down from the trees, and yeah. Well, I and think that because you, you know, you come from a, a, an island that has gone through a lot of oppression, 
and and people have survived you know exactly. so you know that you know what it is to be occupied even if it is by your own people but it's a state of living in occupation you know and so exactly. do I. we had the nazis you know we had the turks so even if even if you haven't lived in it yourself you have the stories from your ancestors you know of survival of like you know learning in exactly. caves yeah exactly but america I, and know. modern you know modern culture like doesn't have that so much so yeah we I have get... never had so much and we had never had yes. cleaner water or cleaner yes. air and yes. people and people you know everybody you know that poor little girl was her name greta greta <laughs> she yeah. sends she yeah. sends chills down my spine every time i see her i just don't know what to do or what to say because it's pretty incredible the alarm you know but i definitely believe that one of the good things to happen with this pandemic is that we are going to be so much more conscious of hopefully hopefully as a society of how to take care of those who need us but the right way yes you know the, those who had less and they're doing And, and the industry, the fashion industry, which is what we're talking about, we'd be more conscious. There's so much that we could be doing to recycle. And we will. And we will. We, I, I believe that we, all, we are all doing it. We're coming up with different ways of, of resolving different situations. You know, the, we, need, uh, we need so many things today. Like we need uh, like um, internet accessibility for so many Uh, kids that are, I got, they, they don't have internet and, and situations like this that we're going through, they cannot go to yeah, school. Broadband, so they're not yeah. learning. Yeah. And we are, you know, we are coming out with different ways. And that's another way of finding out what are, where are the places that definitely we need help, you know? Because yeah. yeah. I think yeah. they, we, that's one of the things that I think it should be accessible to everyone. And it doesn't matter. I think a good education and culture should be accessible to everyone, no matter what. Fashion, for oh, me, definitely. is a great way to, to show how our identity changes all the time. You know, I can dress as like a punk girl, you know, guerrilla girl today, and tomorrow I can dress as a society lady, and the day after I can dress as, as, as Rosie the Riveter. And that's what, you know... I, f I love the freedom to be able to do this and go out exactly. looking however I want, you know, doesn't mean that those are my identities and I'm only like, you know, a bi, curious, I don't know, you know, all these titles. Identity changes. We should be able to accept all of it, you know, instead of the strict like labels, you know, the, the we're kind of stuck in right now. Don't well, you, you know, that's all. That's one of the things that people uh, identity politics is one of the worst things that has happened to 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 our generation and For to sure. the generation after us because everybody is divided in different groups. And if you're gay, you're supposed to behave a certain way. Right, and if exactly. You're a woman, you're supposed to behave a certain way. And if you're black. Or if you're yellow, white, everybody has a different place. And that, I think, is one of the things that are, like, very uh, difficult because yes. it's, make, it's making us much more, um, much more aware of how we communicate with each other. Yeah, well, the, you, know? you know, the irony of it is that 
the the people who support identity politics because supposedly it helps minorities like you and me um don't realize that it doesn't support us because it makes us enemies. You know, if I get even a, a tiny perk for being a woman or, you know, whatever, a queer or whatever I may get, the, I get a lot more hate <laughs> from the people who lost that perk. You know, like, I, I, I mean, I, I have no problem when someone is a white man. I don't think that gives him such a, a, an advantage at all, right? But it makes people... You know, resent the so-called yeah, minorities. Yeah, that's what I find. That it, the resentment is right. what, what I find. So it creates divisions more... and, you know, back and forth, back and forth. Like, oh, we're, we're fighting over nothing. Also masks, you know, masks, like, masks, I think, um, you know, which have become the fashion accessories of the pandemic, you know, we wear them and they show that we all belong to this, like, greater collective organism you know um and they 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 may at first like show separation you know they like by hiding us a little bit but i think that right now hiding our identity a little bit is actually positive um i think masks you know are putting an end for now temporarily at least to identity politics because you know you can't see like who we are behind the mask so what's the point of this like uh, emphasis on you know, a limited identity. Um, and for women, it's interesting because we are the bearers of like bodiliness, you know, we are the, 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 the gender whose like biological function is staged and seen all the time and, and chosen and, and uh, financially, let's say, monetized. So, um, you know, traditionally, like women's clothes more often like outline and emphasize our, you know, our, our body parts, our, our again, our uh, biologically useful, genetically useful body parts, you know, our hips, our breasts, our, um, you know, stomach, our butt, <laughs> um, making female uh, sexuality, which is really um, female procreation, you know, a public spectacle, whereas men are free to glide unnoticed, you know, their clothes like hardly emphasizing their bodies, uh, their sexuality implied rather than staged, you know, so they are not marked as a, as a gender, they get to be more neutral. Um, and, you know, feminist women, uh, you know, want some of that for themselves. But I think that the pandemic like re corporealizes us, you know, all uh, men and women, you know, um, in our bodily reality, uh, in all its like precarious uh, existence. So I think that um, masks are, are, are a way to kind of overcome the the gender bias, you know, this the stereotypical like gender difference um, a little bit. Um, and also the socioeconomic bias a little bit, you know, uh, the, the, the socioeconomic difference in a sense. Um, so, uh, you know, but, but, but for sure it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, and, and allow us like a little more privacy in, in a world where we don't have any privacy because of like a uh, social media <laughs> and, and Google. So I, I think that, you know, there, there could be a positive outcome for this. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure of it, but it could be that fashion, even, you know, 
high fashion, haute couture, uh, will become more uh, comfortable, less uh, elite, um, will emphasize like more flowing, less constrictive clothes. Um, and uh, also, you know, will we'll continue to, to go, to move toward like body positivity and physical diversity, um, you know, away from like very restricted, restrictive extreme stereotypes of beauty and size uh, and like bone structure <laughs> and curve structure, which have led us to cosmetically alter ourselves so that we become more and more um, uh, like cyborgs and less and less diverse in our, you know, human aesthetic, in our human beauty. Um, so hopefully we will uh, all find ways to you know, f focus on value and and respect and craftsmanship and the longevity of clothing um, and the, the the quality of it, rather than just its social legibility. Let's say, <laughs> um, you know, because fashion is is it is the daily way in which like the culture touches the body. Um, you know, like intimately. And so it is a very, it's an art, like all the rest. And it's um, important to get it out of, of the corporate clasps, the corporate control, um, and back into, you know, like uh, the, the mom and pop uh, artist space, so to speak. You know, the artist studio, which, you know, has uh, been lost um, or forgotten in the process of, like, this extreme centralized organization of, of capital. So, yeah, um, I, I think that, you know, we're, we're shedding some constraints. And um, let's see if we can bring the real world closer to what we think of as the outside world, closer to what we think of as our interior world, you know, and make them both equally real. <laughs> yeah. So what's, what's, uh, what's in the future for you? Like, where are you taking Rene Ruiz? And what's RR2? Can you tell us a well, little? RR2 is the name of my... It's, it's not RR2 because oh. it's not the oh, square. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's Rene by RR. Because okay. my name is Rene Ruiz. Yes. You know, so... So eventually the brand will be Rene. I have gone mm. through a difficult five years, like I told you, like five years actually of, uh, you know, losing a business and losing my name and my brand to, you know, to, you know, just being the typical creative person and not paying attention and trusting too many people. I never thought that it would happen to me, but it did happen. And I'm very lucky, very lucky that I'm, I'm in a city like Miami and I have amazing friends and Miami has been very generous and I have great, great friends and, and, um, and I'm, you know, coming out now again and reinventing myself and strategizing and see what's going to, what the future brings in the middle doing and after this pandemic. Yeah. And you're you gonna know. you're gonna look for another 
a different kind of aesthetic, a little slightly different aesthetic? It'll be slightly different, mm. yeah. It'll be more, it's going to be more resource-oriented, but also always, mm. always I would like to, I want to give, uh, offer quality and style and mm-hmm. a sense that is, that is my own way that I've been, what I've been doing for the last 20 years something years because my client is a global client you know i have customers in washington new york los angeles miami you know places like that and so you know so i would still make a beautiful wool crepe you know suit and i still would make beautiful you know silk chiffon pants and stuff like that i think it'll always be you know there will always be a a, a sense of uh quality and 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 craftsmanship and my work and also in all the details because i guess i'm from the old school and i still yes, believe yes, in yes, like, yes. i still believe in the way things are made i i will always believe in the way things are made and the way things are presented yes me and too. uh <laughs> me too. and it's uh, and it's you know i'll see this uh, this woman that is just you know running out of a pool throwing out a simple beautiful silk dress and just going out to a a cocktail or a gala and just being in this you know amazing city that we live in yes but just yes, seeing yes. it everywhere because the same mm-hmm. the same people that are here are the people that are in San Tropez or in Mykonos or Oh, I know, I know. I run into them, yeah. You know, so Ibiza, Aspen, it's a exactly. small group. So definitely would be a, a, Tulum, you know, a, whole, a whole line, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. So a whole line that, that, uh, that appeals to these people and to yeah. my friends, especially. Yeah. Because yeah. my friends, you know, my clients become friends. And, that's lovely. Yeah. And that's what I, I think I, you know, I will do. Yeah. And I want to, I think that's a beautiful way to, to close our conversation. We talked about so much. It's like, I know. covered so much. <laughs> we were all over the place, but it was fun. Uh, but yeah, I, I love what, you know, what you said about Miami. So I just want to say that I agree with that, with that, that, you know, um, I came, you know, I came here. No one knew me. I didn't know a single soul, you know, just like you came, you know, on your on your own with very little, and it, I found it to be a very with accepting. Nothing. I came with nothing. Right, I found it also like very accepting. You know, I was uh, I I showed my work and I was accepted to the art center on Lincoln Road mm-hmm. and like you know I'm in the studio in the most uh, you know walked through like strip in Miami Beach um and and i the studio was always full and you know it was such a strong uh, community support uh, so it's just uh, you know that that is not said enough that you know Miami is there and is loyal you know for its yeah for Miami's its a great city it's a great it's great, a great city mm-hmm. it's a great community. city and 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 uh, it has amazing people from all different you know like i came to the city with nothing literally nothing and and i've been able to accomplish a lot and be in all different kinds of circles so much yes yes and being around and um and being able to like i told you you know to return my my gratitude in raising money yeah and 
you know, and things like that. And that is very special. It's yes. a very special city. Yes, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. So, yes, thank you for your, all your time and thank you for your knowledge and thank you for your beautiful clothes. And, thank uh, you. And that was, this was so, so interesting. And everyone out there, until next week, keep speaking sex. Another piece of good news from our sponsor, oldplayground.net. Uh, they have a special right now where you can join for three days for $3.99. Uh, you can start a profile and you can navigate the site. It's the biggest, most inclusive, most contemporary lifestyle website, uh, in English at least, that <laughs> we know of. And you can have your own exclusive content. Uh, there is a big wall with videos, uh, information, uh, podcasts about uh, sex and intimacy topics, and all kinds of open people with whom uh, you can communicate across the country. So give it a try. This is the chance to do so. And love you all. Could make love incessantly, I would be God.